Welcome back to another episode of Off Record On Point, the workplace culture podcast, but with the all-important twist. I'm Julia Linehan, founder and CEO of The Digital Voice. And I'm Casey Long. As usual, we're touching on some under-discussed and sensitive topics, so check the description for a list of useful resources while you're listening. For today's episode, we're joined by the brilliant Jules Castensgold, Head of Mentoring and Co-Head of Neurodiversity at Bloom. Here's a glimpse of what's coming up. Roughly 70% of individuals report that their manager can affect their mental health as much as their partner does. Wow. Wow. Is there any advice that you would share or anything that you would layer on top of that to help prevent any sort of toxic workplace from sort of taking root in an organization? The burnout often happens before the the impact of a toxic work. Sometimes companies aren't toxic, but they just are working everyone too hard. I want everyone to know what the red flags are to look out for. for If you are in a toxic workplace, look out for unclear company goals. No respect from management. So I could add in there, lack of lack of feedback. It's a really clear way of saying they're not that interested in, in you growing. That's a really good one. We're going to be covering an interesting topic today, healing toxic workplaces and how mentoring can help. What's the lowdown, Julia? So I love this one because it's like what we're going to do in about 30 minutes is put our healing hands around toxic workplaces and hopefully wash them as well. It's one of my bugbears, actually, because it's just so unnecessary to have toxic workplaces and it has a huge impact. What's really scary, there was a, I think it was 2020, 2022 workplace, work and wellbeing survey, and it found out that 18% of workers characterized their own place of work as toxic. That's hugely worrying that that level, that that's such a high proportion. And I think there was 30% of employees experienced some form of harassment. So we know there's still a problem. We know there are loads, there's red flags to look out for. And I think that's what ideally we're going to get under the hood of today so that you know what to look out for and then you know how to handle it. And above all else as well, it's giving some guidance to leaders to show there's a better way and there's a way to absolutely eradicate toxic workplace. So I'm a, this is a topic that I'm very, very passionate about. But more importantly, our guest, Jules, who's joining us, is going to be the font of all knowledge. So Jules, welcome. So good to have you here. Welcome, Jules. Oh, thank you, Julia. And thank you, Casey. Thank you for inviting me on to this very interesting topic. I can't wait to get started. Of course. Will you, and we thought you'd be ideally placed because you know, you've taken on the role of head of mentoring at Bloom, but also your vast experience is, is, is putting you in a good position to talk about this. But tell us a bit more, your journey, your journey to here, your journey to being head of mentoring as well. Thanks, Julia. Yeah, I've spent the last 20 plus years working in advertising, media and brand agencies in an absolute complete variety of roles from kind of client service director through to more recently marketing and new business roles. I've taken some time out to have children who are rather frighteningly 19, 21 and 23 now. So that's yikes. Where did that time go? Wow. What was interesting in 2019, I moved actually out of the um, agency sector into the charity sector and went to work for a charity as head of marketing. And then the pandemic hit. And very sadly, as a result, I lost my job. And actually, I've been really experiencing that challenge of getting back into permanent work since uh, since the pandemic began. But wonderfully, I discovered in January 2021 uh, the Bloom Women's Network. I have no idea why I spent 20 years not being in a women's network. <laughs> Who knew there was life before Bloom? Best 
decision I ever stumbled across. But what has been amazing is how supportive and encouraging and inspiring it has been to work uh, with these women in a, a whole variety of roles. And what's amazing about Bloom is that we really live by our values and the activity comes from that. We you know, spearhead industry change. We try and future-proof women's careers. But we also work hard on paying it forward to the next generation of women in our industry. And there's also a great belief in, in Bloom that, that our, um, our collective voices, our real and collective voices, can make a very powerful difference. So we work together on everything from sort of mental health to menopause, um, allyship to, um, you know, gender pay equality and, and neurodiversity to parenting. I mean, all sorts. But our, our approach is how can we use our voices to change the way women in the workplace feel about how they work and thrive? So I did what most Bloom members have been doing for years is I leaned in and got involved. And um, in 2022, I got, took on the deputy marketing role and was helping Bloom support a lot of its programs. And actually, one of the things I was quite proud of last year was actually getting involved in the, the Empower Initiative to launch the Bloom Manifesto, which is something that I was passionate about changing the stigma in our industry about menopause and how you know it affects half the industry as in the women the women workforce so that was great to be involved in that and the other thing i really began to connect with was the bloom mentoring program i had never been involved in mentoring before and what i loved about it is the fact we were trained as mentors to really help the next generation of women really upskill, grow in confidence see what they could do to make a difference to their own levels and abilities so having drunk all that Kool-Aid and got very excited, I basically put my hand up and said, <laughs> all in. All in, I'll be the head of So this year I have taken on the lead as head of Bloom Mentoring, and that's where we are today. Bloom does so much. I mean, you've just run through a lot of it. And Julia has seen firsthand, I've been a mentor or mentee with Bloom. Sorry, that's been fabulous. Have you ever had a mentor that drove you towards really engaging in the mentorship program with Bloom or is there anyone that inspired you? Actually, I've sadly never been mentored and I reflect back thinking, gosh, what a difference it would have made to my early career and, and possibly how my career had developed. No, I, I sadly have never been mentored, um, but I have had some encouraging leaders and managers who invest in time. And is that one to one is, is helping you see your own skills. Um, what I what I love about the mentoring scheme that we run at Bloom is it's not just a one off, you know, encouragement, encouraging session. We literally match match a pair and they are together for sort of eight, nine, ten months and, you know, see each other as much or as little as they, as they need to in that time. Time. So I personally haven't been mentored, but I can see the benefit, even just from the two mentees that I've had over the last couple of years, either actually just investing my time to listen and reflect back on them, um, you know, what they want to achieve. It really helps you see the difference. And I think what's really interesting about Bloom is because we're so committed to it. We train our mentors. So we have the wonderful Dina Gornet. Big shout out for her who really comes alongside the mentors. Oh, so I can second that. Love Dina. She comes alongside the mentors and the mentees and teaches us literally how to be better mentors. Um, you know, I feel empowered that I've got a skill, a new skill that I never had uh, in all my uh, industry years. You know, to be a good a guide, a good listener and, you know, a real asker of questions. I think that distinguishing between mentoring and coaching or managing was a really important part of what we do and so you know I feel that we've we've kind of captured it bottled it up and we serve it up every year in, in this fabulous program you know reaching out to what is it? this year we've got 383 mentees wow it's down as like the largest industry mentoring program and it's and it, there's a good reason for that is that it works and there's so many people at Bloom myself included that really lean in I think one of the things that 
that I see as hugely important. And I've been mentoring for a lot of years and I do want, I do both Met Bloom mentoring. I do the, my own team at the Digital Voice one-to-one mentoring. And I also have some industry people as well. I, part of this it links very closely with this toxic workplace and mentoring because there is a link. What the idea is, is to get that conversation going and alleviate fears and worries, be a safe space where you can share and listen as you said that word listening and a mentor an important skill is listening I want to think think about Jules as to how mentoring can directly impact in a positive way solving toxic workplaces or difficult situations for mentees it's possibly important to identify what we all mean by toxic workplaces and I think for me a toxic workplace is an environment that is sort of unhealthy that is not bringing out the best in people that is actually people have a sort of negative impact in fact I read a survey the other day that according to the workforce institute of UKG roughly 70 percent of individuals a report that their manager can affect their mental health as much as their partner does. Wow. Wow. So the impact of a bad manager or a bad leader on one person, let alone collective people, managers often uh, manage or lead more than one person, is huge. And so that doesn't just affect um, the productivity of an environment. It also affects the well-being and the mental health of a, of a workplace. So mm. what I think is amazing about mentoring is it's literally taking out individuals. And I think so often we think, you know, training masses, you know, getting everybody on board, having big company meetings. And those things are important. Transparency, communication within an organization is important. But I think when you pick people up on a one to one and actually just help them understand what is the root of their struggles? Is it about how they feel about their skills? Is it about how they feel about their perception around the business? Is it about whether they feel their progression? Any one of those things could be wearing somebody out. And and often it is poor management that has made them feel like that. Yeah. Not necessarily always because they're bad people. They just don't know how to manage well or they haven't learned a skill to be a good manager. But I think what mentoring can do, I mean, it's by no means a magic wand, but I think mentoring can pick you up in two well, levels. Gives you a safe place. Um, certainly at Bloom Mentoring, what is brilliant is we don't have people within the same company. So you have that wonderful independence. You know, there's no agenda. When I'm mentoring someone, they aren't part of my workforce. They're not part of my family. They're not my partner. I literally can just be championing them and listening to them. And I think that's a really, that impartiality is quite helpful. Um, Certainly that's how we use it in Bloom Mentoring. I know you can mentor well within an organization, but you can you can literally pick up those individual issues and try and reflect back you know is that something that you have any control over how that person behaves so again also helping someone to see often the things that wear people down is actually the impact of other people's behavior well how much can you change that or how much can you choose what you what truth you believe you know are you able to do your job yes right let's focus on what you can do and identify at times when there are other pressures in organizations. I mean, if you've got a chief executive or manager director dealing with a whole load of commercial issues, you know, clients walking out the door or, you know, issues going on, there's a chance that their attention to your career, let's call it that, is a little bit less focused. Yeah, limited. That's where a mentor can say, but you can focus on your career. And I think it's, it's I never realized until I stepped into mentoring that you actually had to work on your own career. You know, I thought bosses were yeah. going to do that for me. And I grew up, grew up naively thinking that my boss was in charge of my career development. I mean, oh, how wrong. But <laughs> what you can do as a mentor is say, well, what do you want to do about that? 
do you want to grow up to the next level or do you want to start looking else? You know, you have choices. And I think the, the whole wonderful thing about mentoring is it it enables the individual to see that they have choices. So I was going to say that I was going to have to ask you, though, because a couple of times you've mentioned the issues that they're raising, etc. Very curious, Jules, as to what what the most common issues are. What do, what, what, Ooh, yeah. what do you think the most common issues are that you hear or that other people have said? We're obviously keeping it very broad, but what do you think? I think an enormous amount, certainly for our Bloom mentees, I think 80% of them are asking for help with confidence and imposter syndrome. Okay, interesting. We do only mentor between two and six years in the, work, in the industry. So they are relatively junior, although certainly smart and savvy and capable. But in spite of their talents and arguably their skills that got them these jobs, they lack the confidence because they haven't got someone telling them all the time that, yes, that's good, or yes, go for that. And so it's, it is a, it is a, just a, the main thing they really want help is to sort of talk through what they're struggling with. And often it is just simply confidence. A self-worth element, it sounds like. Totally. But then also they do that kind of, you yeah. know, LinkedIn is brilliant at looking at, oh my gosh, what's everyone else up to? Isn't it just, yeah. Comparison is not a very helpful thing in our industry because we're all individuals. And we all bring something different. And again, just with a mentor concentrating back on the mentee, well, what are you good at? What do you like doing? How did you find that? It really helps them kind of go, no, you're right. I don't want to be them. I want to be me. Yeah. You encourage them to get back to their authentic self, what they loved about the job they were hired to do or what they loved, hoped about the job they were hired to do and how might they get there back to where they thought it was going to be good. It's it's really promising that toxic workplace or toxic management hasn't been a, a big theme. Um, just thinking about the theme for today's episode, and I'm curious in any of the feedback from mentees or feedback from the program, when we do think about toxic workplaces, because there are, I'm sure, some instances of that, are there any red flags that are common across toxic workplaces that you could share? Yeah, I think the const- I think the red flags come. And, yeah, and there, there are, I haven't, but there have certainly been um, uh, mentees who have had to really raise some toxic workplaces to their mentors. And oh. at times we've actually had to, you know, go a little bit more involved in, you know, contacting the companies and things that they work for. But I think the common themes are this um, over overworking and over expectation with, you know, not a lot of, you know, clear KPIs or, you know, expected to to, to work really really hard really really long hours but we're not quite sure what the end you know the end result is and right and I think where where often people are you know they're constantly trying to sort of double guess what 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 good looks like and they haven't had the courage to say well I'm happy to work but could you tell me what does good look like what does deliver what is the best deliverable look for you manager boss and there's an expectation that um Sometimes uh, a, a big red flag is when you, you find that bosses are telling um, mentees to just do it my way. Mm. So they're completely disempowering them. They are literally kind of stifling any innovation, stifling any initiative. And, you know, often it might be just a very different way that somebody works. They might be near, have a neurotypical boss, be neurodiverse and just want to come at it at a different angle. Or they might have um, a desire to work across disciplines and feel that you could bring something to the party if we had more of a, you know, and if that's very, when that's very quashed down, those are the kind of red flags that I kind of have people saying to us. Have you experienced it firsthand, Jules? I'm curious as to whether you for yourself experienced it. I, funny enough, had it much later in life. I had it at quite a senior level where I had a, a, at a boss that was just 
she was just not very transparent. What she said and what she did were very different things. And that was very confusing. Um, and I and she also what I realized is it's quite like to kind of isolate people. So she'd draw, draw people out to kind of get, you know, different perspective. And, and she split the leadership team up. So we didn't all hear the same thing at the same time. Oh, my gosh. So you don't realize it until after the event. And, um, it, you know, net net is I, I'm no longer in that company, but it, it was it had a big impact on me because it, it makes you doubt your own abilities. Because I genuinely thought I could change the situation, um, thought I could make it more collaborative, thought I could make it more transparent and open just because that's my nature. I'm, I love fixing. Yeah, that's the right energy to have. And we were not necessarily getting the best out of people, but um, yeah, it, it didn't it didn't work so well for me. But I think, it, you know, you learn from that and you learn yeah, you to recognize it a bit like I say to my mentee. Is that a behavior that you can change with someone else or is it just your own behavior? And I think that's where the important things are to recognize the burden gets when you think you're trying to change someone else. That's that's a lot harder. And I think I think mentoring can't do that. Mentoring can tell you where your behavior ends and someone else's bad behavior begins. And that is quite helpful. Yeah. We're always saying, aren't we, Casey, is um, we do sessions with Nikki, our business coach. And one of the latest ones was about that going, look, you can only control your behavior, your response to other people's yeah. behavior, but that's all you can do. Having said that, there are things you can do to fight back. Uh, and actually, I think it might be interesting. It'd be really interesting to see what you think, Jules, of some top tips of fighting back. Because you, you've tried, you yourself tried one that maybe didn't work, but are there other top tips that could work. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think we are all quite different as people. But I, what I did reckon, what I did recognise that I didn't do at the time was sort of reflect back on, you know, give yourself a bit of a self-assessment. Well, what do I think was going on here? you know this is hindsight I didn't do it at the time but I think when you are in that situation have some time to sort of self-reflect and go well what what are my values and what are my goals and are they being hampered here by this by this culture or, or this leader sometimes it's a whole collective it's not just one person sometimes it is just one person and am I uh, the things that I value about the way I work I am a big team player I love working cross-discipline for me never better than you know more than a gaggle of people involved in, in getting a project delivered because you get so much different and if we can get into gen, you know different different levels even better but you know, am I being hampered at being the best me by this environment or this person? So do some self-assessment. That's a really good tip. And then if it's really bad, if it's a really bad toxic environment, document where you're, you know, documented. I mean, a lot of people have said this. I wasn't mm. in a big enough organization, which even had an HR. But I mean, it, it documents some incidences that you have to be quite specific, but document it and try and, you know, literally be practical about you know That's yeah. good advice that is good and then the, you know the third thing I'd always go is seek support which is where the mentoring can come in if you had a mentor yes and he may not have even had at that stage had a you know a traditional mentoring relationship ongoing but if you had somebody who's independent of the company you're working for or independent of the of the manager it's actually quite good to get another viewpoint and ask them genuinely is this my behavior or is this something else that's going on because I think primarily sometimes one's own behavior can yeah collude with it really because you're trying to I mean I was trying to fix something and I kind of got got involved and probably made it worse as well as better but <laughs> um so you know those are the sort of the you know, three key things those you know, are good good three perfect identifiers the other thing you can do is also if you have to get to the point is trying to maintain your own professionalism you know ultimately sometimes people do end up having to leave a work place um you know exit well yeah behave professionally because 
other people will hear of you and see you. So I think, again, if you can get somebody to keep you um, uh, on track with that, not going into their mess is a very good good way to kind of respond to toxic behavior. Julia and I say swans, mm. don't we, Julia, where you're Lovely. the picture of grace and decorum on the surface, but underneath, not in the context of a toxic workplace for us, but still relevant those feet are kicking away under the water, uh, making their way hopefully to a more positive environment than in this case. Um, I want to actually take a, a step back. So before the culture is toxic, prevention is obviously going to be the biggest cure. And I'm curious to know, Jules, what would you say You know, companies, we know that they need to understand being kind, empathetic, and thinking about culture and the benefits of that within their business. Is there any advice that you would share or anything that you would layer on top of that to help prevent any sort of toxic workplace from sort of taking root in an organization? Yeah, I mean, and maybe even the sort of, it, the burnout often happens before the, the impact of a toxic work. Sometimes companies aren't mm. toxic, but they just are working everyone too hard or they're, yeah. they're not really understanding. So I think um, certainly on a, on a burnout level, trying to help a company support its staff is is recognizing the individual um, I do quite a lot of work with our Bloom Neurodiversity group and you realize that you know people really do have different styles of working I mean uh, different gifts you know and they they blend wonderfully but the amount of people I have come across within the neurodiversity group who are literally you know being harassed out of a company because they're not performing a certain way now wow. I think the best and it's not because it's, it's lack of understanding it is lack of understanding so I think from a business point of view is trying to understand the individual issue so if someone is looking like they're getting burnt out or someone is struggling it's try to I know when when companies are big and they've got enormous you know HR resource and teams but work out how whether that's a manager or somebody in an independent um, role like an HR how that person is really feeling. What are the issues? You know, what's going on behind? Um, what's going on under that surface of the swan? Um, <laughs> because actually, when you understand those issues and when you support that person, it might just be they've got some really difficult stuff going on at home. It might be that they are just struggling to understand what they're being asked to do at work or they need better feedback. You know, those are, there's so many issues that you just can't even imagine. I think we'll forget what it was like to be younger in a company. Fine. Yeah. Helping people understand how they thrive, how they work best. I mean, I've discovered later on in life, you know, I, I am much better when I've had, you know, like today, a few questions come my way forward so I can think first and then respond. Um, that's just my ADHD brain, you know, needing a bit of time. But also, I think it's just I, I thrive better when I'm feeling confident that I'm that I'm in a you know subject area that I'm that I, you know I I love mentoring so I could talk forever but you know other <laughs> and other conversations I might go oh not quite there yet so it's really helpful to understand what a particular employee might need and it's sometimes never that difficult you hit on something there because you said you you know yourself now you know you understand your brain and how you work uh, so that's really important I think that's a really important point in order to go for a job and find a workplace that fits, it's firstly really important to know who you are, how you respond best, what kind of working styles. The digital voice, for example, is 100% remote. And one of the questions we ask in the interviews is not, how do you feel about working remote? It's what would you miss about an office culture? Because actually, that's a slightly different way of spinning it. And then I, we can generally get a sense of, I can hear that in their voice, 
oh god yeah i'm gonna miss something yeah don't we casey when we're doing it yeah and you totally understand because everyone does work differently or have different environments where they're gonna thrive and give you their best ultimately i think so and i think one of the things that maybe we spin it on its head here is is that to get your thoughts on is potentially people need to look at when you're going for an interview what questions should you ask that unearth if it's got any sign of toxic going through it It, what do you think have you got anything to think about what what they could ask when going for those what do you think jules I think it's really difficult because actually, generally, when you're going for interview, yes, I, I have learned over time that actually it is important that it's two way. There's no point in just going, yes, yes, I'll, you, you know, yes. here I am, I'll have, I'll, I'll do this on any terms because I know that I can't do it. I can't work on any terms. I need to have a, an environment and a culture where I will thrive. But I realized that actually the question is really interesting because the type of things we're talking about is quite difficult to see, certainly in a first or second interview. You can if you start working with them. But what I did reflect on to help answer this question is I think there are there are things you can ask about. Um, you can ask them, what's the company culture like? You know, do you do stuff together? You know, do you um, have team meetings? Do you go on social? You know, or what's your, do you have a well-being plan? I mean, you can ask them some, some specific questions. And what I would then say is watch the words they're using. Yeah. Is it a lot of I? Was a lot of we. It's really good. So I know I need to work in a company where we matters. You know, the we's, the team, the, uh, the, the all of us matter. That it's not just about I and, and the brand. And, you know, because I think collectively when we all know we matter, we all make the brand or the business a success. Yeah. Because that's what you all long to do. When people are absolutely culturally at their best, they they are your best brand advocates your best you know they will work best for you as a company and so I think sometimes it's it's difficult to know what you're looking for when you're interviewing but I think some of the answers are in the language that people use to talk about their company um you know and if if people matter they'll come through in the language they use and if we have you know a lot of people have a we have a you know a training budget um you know throw money at the problem that doesn't, to me, suggest that the people matter. What matters is we've got well-being programs or we love to meet every other Thursday because we're quite an energetic lot and we kind of go out and, you know, you know, play pool or, you know, jump hoops or, or, or you know, we, we like playing games together or we help. We like to, you know, make sure we stay connected and understand what's going on in each other's outside work lives. So it's just the language that people are using. That's good to know. Again, it's identifying what you like or what I like as a, in a company and then how to ask those kind of questions that might find you, uh, you know, those key answers. It's interesting, Jules, because when I when when it's normally Casey and I or Casey, myself and Cameron that interview people when we're in the digital voice and I'm looking for uh, three standouts, really energy, kindness and sheer joy and enthusiasm. So I tend to do quick fire rounds to them to see where I guess that's how you could tell. Like, <laughs> how are you first thing in the morning? Are you a morning person? No, this, <laughs> because we're very much morning people. So I'm going to put you in the hot seat. You get a quick fire round. You have to answer the first thing that comes into your brain, and you've got to give me a quick answer. Are you ready, Jules, for your quick fire round? I'll do my very level best. Brace yourself. I'm not good in the morning. Is that where I now have to end up? <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask that then. Right. What are the three words to describe a healthy workplace culture? Ooh. 
Well, I would go transparency, I think, always transparency. You know, how open is the company? Um, how good is their, is their communication and is their empathy? Do they really care about you? Love it. Perfect three. I like those. Finish this sentence. A bad boss does dot, 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 dot. The opposite of what they say. Oh, that's really good. Ooh. What they say and what they do are are not the same. It, they're inauthentic. Um, they're not transparent and they blame others. Do you know what mine is? A, a bad boss is inconsistent. I find it's so actually it's so energy sapping for the rest of the team. They just don't know what mood they're going to get. But that's mine. This is back to you. Finish the sentence. A good mentor asks what? Dot, 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 dot. Loads of questions. Oh. Loads of questions. You know, what do you want to achieve? Uh, tell me more about that story. Tell me what you felt or where it was going. Or um, how could you improve the situation now? That's my kind of idea. Love it, Jules. What's the number one ask from mentees? We did a straw poll the other day on our uh, 383 this year. There was about 80% of them were asking for um, support in building confidence stroke tackling imposter syndrome there is so much fear out there that they're not getting it right I think a lot of that's from the comparison I mean LinkedIn scares the living daylights out of all of yeah. us everybody else is somehow doing a better job or having a better life or so I think they they really particularly liked us to work on that and that is a lot about understanding what they need to grow and then there was the other sort of subset of that is how do they manage their network and their relationships? And I think that's something where, where Bloom, you know, we've got uh, this richness of, you know, 500 Bloom mentees, mentors. Uh, they just get so well connected, but you teach them how to connect. Yeah, that's fabulous. Perfect. Thank you, Jules. Three to go. What are the top three recommendations for creating a nurturing workplace? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I would get back to that honesty and transparency thing that, you know, do you feel that the company communicates with you about your position in the company, what you're, um, where you're going, where the company's going? I think often people are quite good at hiding how well the company's doing. You know, businesses are going up and up and up and then suddenly they're out of business. Um, so I'd say transparency about the company. Uh, I think um, cultivating an environment where you connect with each other across discipline is really important to me. Definitely. You know, are there so are there occasions when the company works cross cross disciplines or cross, you know, cross generations, as it were? And um, is there empathy? Is there things that you do? Is it maybe in your well-being program? You know, do you encourage your staff to go and do volunteering? Do you have a, a an outward looking something that shows that you care as a business, that, that the people that are in it, you know, do you go on a sponsored run or, you know, what is it that you do that demonstrates you are an empathetic company? Amazing. So finish this sentence. Real change happens by dot, dot, dot. Empowerment. Oh. oh, I think for me, that's why I think that that's the secret gem of mentoring. You are empowering a mentee to believe in themselves by reflecting back how just how jolly good they all are. Love it. I think toxic workplaces or when people are struggling, even before toxic work, often often it's there's no empowerment. They don't understand how their way of doing things will make a difference. Empowerment, strong word. Final one in the quick fire. What's the most inspiring piece of advice you've been given, Jules? Oh, tough one. I've probably been given quite a lot and forgotten most of it. <laughs> um, I think I think that I might maybe sneak in as two. I think taking responsibility for your own behaviour and not the behaviour of others. I remember that one was a really important one for me early in early in my career. Mm. 
And the second one is, is, is learn to recognize when you're working to please rather than working to be good at your job. Love it. You did so well. Thank you, Jules, so much. That was amazing. You've survived the quick fire round. Thank you for having me. That's been such a really inspiring session. And I love the fact that we went from mentoring into toxic workplaces and flowed back with a lot of positives out of it. I did want to do a really practical takeaway for everyone listening because it is such a concern for me and for, and for I know for you, Jules and Casey, if it's heart, true to your heart as well. I want everyone to know what the red flags are to look out for. For it. If you are in a toxic workplace, look out for unclear company goals, no respect from management, employee dissatisfaction within throughout the, all the levels, unclear roles, no room for growth poor relationship between employees and conflicts that aren't handled properly. They are all red flags. Raise them with your mentor. If you have a mentor, if you don't have a mentor, find one. And our biggest recommendation to please do join the Mentee program next year because I think it opens up again in February, Woo! doesn't it, Jules? Yeah, February or March, maybe even April. I was going to say I could add in there lack of lack of feedback. Yes. I think when you don't get feedback, one. it's it's a really clear way of saying they're not that interested in, in you growing. That's a really good one. And a directive ma- management rather than uh, empowering management. So I want it done this way, not I just want it done. You tell me, you know, come to me back with ideas. It's wonderful advice, Jules. Thank you so much again for joining us today. That is all for today's episode of Off Record on point, but for much more on the topic of mentoring and toxic workplaces is very important. You can check out our description and of course, check out Bloom at www.bloomnetwork.uk. Thank you so much for your time today, Jules. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jules. Oh, it's been absolute pleasure. Thank you, both of you. You've been so, uh, so interested and so encouraging. Thank you. It's been great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Off Record On Point. Next time, we'll be joined by the one and only Gabrielle Person, CPO at Seen This. And we're going to dive into the Sustainability Balancing Act. But until then, I'm Julia Linehan. And I'm Casey Long. Enjoyed this conversation? Reach out and let us know by rating and reviewing on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to follow to never miss an episode. And of course, you can always stay connected with us at www.thedigitalvoice.co.uk and across all our social platforms. Just look out for The Digital Voice. Join us again next time for another undercover industry deep dive. All off record, all on point.